Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning if you're uh, new to us this morning. It's great to have you with us. Uh, good morning if you're watching online or if you're here in the building. It's great to be able to worship the Lord together. Uh, as many of you uh, will be aware, uh, sadly, uh, John Edwards passed away uh, recently, a longtime member of the church. Uh, if you'd like to be uh, part of the funeral, uh, to attend the funeral, uh, that's on Tuesday, the 31st of August. Uh, please do let Helen know as soon as you can um, so she can get numbers. We do pray for, <clears throat> for Margaret, uh, for Ian, Alan, Simon and Elaine and the rest of the Edwards family. In some uplifting news, uh, we can uh, celebrate uh, Ray and Di Bolton's uh, golden wedding anniversary together. Um, so we give good thanks to God for 50 years of faithful marriage together. So shall we give them a round of applause? I don't know where they are to embarrass them, but uh, we'll find them at some point. Uh, uh, God bless you both, and uh, yeah, may the Lord continue to bless your marriage going forward. Uh, let's uh, start our time in prayer together. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for the day to be able to come and worship you. Uh, we pray that you would help us, Lord, by your spirit to do that. And we do lift up the Edwards family uh, this morning. Uh, we pray for, for Margaret, Ian, Alan, Simon, and Elaine, and the rest of the family as well. May you bring them comfort and care at this time. We give you thanks for, for Ray and Di and many others, Lord, who have faithful marriages over so many years. We give you thanks for your goodness to them. And we pray that you would bless this time as we seek to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to hear from uh, Ollie Summers now, who's currently on holiday, but I had the time to record an interview with him earlier in the week. Uh, some of you may have heard his story of how God just radically changed his life, but I thought it would be useful to hear both that part, but also what he's doing in his life right now, what God is doing in Ollie's life. So let's hear from Ollie now. Welcome, Ollie. Thanks very much for taking the time. Uh, to chat and uh, work through uh, how God has been working in your life and how God, by his Holy Spirit, has been uh, changing you. Um, so thanks very much for taking the time. Uh, Ollie, um, could you give us a brief description of um, what your life was like uh, before you met the Lord? Uh, yeah, so before I become a Christian, life was hard, it was tough. Um, I think I looked at... Uh, you know, solving a lot of the issues and problems I had with drugs and alcohol. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. Um, and I really just searched in life to change the way I felt. I did that mainly through drugs and alcohol, but also through other different things like, you know, going on holidays, uh, having different relationships, um, buying clothes, just anything to change the way I felt and sort of make me feel better and to fill that emptiness inside. And Ollie, how did um, how did God, by the power of the Spirit, uh, change your life? What what were the results of that? So I really, so you know, I didn't believe in God. Um, I didn't think God could be real. I just thought it was a load of rubbish. And yeah, I went into a rehab when I was younger, 23, 
And it was in that rehab that they started telling me that God could help me and that he could, um, you know, take away my alcoholism. But I really didn't believe him. I thought, you know, I had one chance at getting better and they sort of ruined it by mentioning God. But I sort of had the attitude of, well, I'll prove him wrong, that God wasn't going to change my life. And... It was after a while of being in rehab that I sort of saw God at work in other people's lives. I thought, well, maybe he could help me. And I gave my life to God in the rehab. And I just remember this sense that he was there and that he was real. Just suddenly, you know, over a matter of a few days. And I think the main one was that he removed that uh, desire to drink. You know, I've sort of almost woke up the next day and just that desire to want to drink and take drugs was no longer there. Um, and I think I had a real sense that, you know, Jesus was real and that he was there and that I wasn't alone when my dad died while I was, I was in the rehab. I remember just this sort of overwhelming peace that... I was going to be all right. And I think, you know, that was the Holy Spirit just opening up my heart and working in my life then. Mm. And so now that you are a Christian, how have you felt God help you, um, you know, in your day-to-day life? Yeah, so, I mean, life is it's tough. I find it really hard sometimes, um, you know, from, like, struggling with mental health, uh, to working on a building site I find like, incredibly hard to be a Christian on because it's you know the conversations and the way that people are um, it's quite hard to stay away from those things but I do always get a sense of you know conviction um, when I am involved in maybe the wrong conversations or the wrong way of working you know I I do recognise that now, whereas before it would have just been totally normal, you know, to steal, to maybe get in a fight or something like that. Would have, I wouldn't have thought twice about that. But now, you know, I know that that isn't right. And I think that that's, that is the spirit convicting me. Um, you know, I think, you know, an overwhelming peace, really, that God is there and uh you know, there is a, the Holy Spirit is there as well. Um, I think that's what helps me the most through life now. Hmm. Thanks very much, Ollie, for, for taking the time and, and sharing a bit of your, your life and your heart as well. Thanks very much. Before the children go out for S Club with uh, Cal and Tash, uh, I'm just going to pray for them and also pray for Ollie as well as we heard his story. So let me pr- let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the fact that we don't have to hide anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. And we thank you that you have freed us from our sin because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And Lord, we pray for the young people now that they would uh, understand that more, that they would love Jesus more and want to live for him. And we thank you for all his life, that you have brought him to yourself as well, that you've forgiven him, that he can live for you too. So we pray for your blessing uh, on the children as they go out now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the amazing truth that we don't have to hide 
that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we can come to you as freely forgiven people, that we can receive eternal life, not by what we have done, but by what you have done for us. And so we praise you for that. And Lord, we are mindful of the fact that we have not lived as the people that we claim to be this past week, where we have not been living in the spirit, but instead in the flesh, where we have had moments of lustful looks, where we have moments of frustration and anger in our hearts, for a lack of forgiveness against others when we have held that back, when we have gossiped and slandered others, and when we have sat in the throne of judgment above other people, we pray that you would forgive us. We look to Christ and know that we have been forgiven. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that by the power of the Spirit that we can lead a new life, lead a life which leads to eternal life and no longer as we used to live. We can live for Jesus Christ and eternity. And so, Lord, we we thank you for that eternal hope. We thank you for that hope which uh, John Edwards had, that he is now with you in glory. And we do pray for uh, for Margaret, his wife. We pray that you would be close to her. We pray for the rest of the family, for Ian, Alan, Simon, and Elaine. May you bring them comfort and care. And we give you thanks, Lord, for uh, Veronica's uh, safe return from hospital. We pray for her recovery and we pray for Hugh as well, that he would be able to take care of her as well. And Lord, we look further afield. We pray for uh, those who are suffering persecution right now. We pray for the work of open doors as they seek to help Christians in war-torn and difficult places. We pray that you would help their work. We pray especially for Afghanistan right now, for those Christians especially who are uh, under immense persecution and fleeing for their lives. We pray that you would uh, be helping them, Lord, keep them safe, keep them um, safe from uh, from the, the people who would be seeking to, to kill them. And so we pray that you would protect them. We pray for the women there too, Lord. Pray for mercy upon them um, as we pray for that country. We pray for other countries as well, Lord, who suffer extreme persecution for Nigeria. We pray for John and Abby as they work out there, Lord. Keep them safe as they seek to advance your gospel. We pray for North Korea, Pakistan, Somalia, countries where it is difficult, if not illegal, to be a Christian. And so we pray that you would have your hand of protection upon those who seek to live for you there. And Lord, we pray for for Steve as he gives us uh, the Bible reading this morning from Romans 8. May that really speak to our hearts and our lives. And pray for Neil as he brings the word. May we have soft hearts. May we be like the good soil that receives your word and produces a crop 60, 100 fold. We pray that you would help us to receive it humbly and to by faith obey it and put it into practice in our lives. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And now I'm going to welcome uh, Steve to give our reading for this morning from Romans 8. The reading is taken from Romans 8, verses 5 through to 13. Life through the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. 
It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Thanks, Steve. Good morning, everybody. Let's uh, pray as we come to God's Word. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding, so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Amen. Well, the news uh, this week has been dominated by the surprisingly rapid takeover of Afghanistan by the Taliban. There's been a lot of questioning of the government about uh, why no one saw it coming. Speculation about the reason for the, the collapse has centered around the deal that uh, the US struck with the Taliban last uh, year concerning with the withdrawal of troops. And it's thought that the message that that sent to the Afghans was that the war had already been lost. And so despite outnumbering the Taliban's three to one and having more weapons, they decided there was no point fighting for a lost cause. Well, this morning we're looking at another war, the war against sin and death, a war that has already been won by Jesus when he gave his perfect, sinless life for our sakes so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God. In being raised to life, he demonstrated victory over death, a victory that will be complete when Jesus comes again and gathers his people to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth, free from sin, free from suffering, and free from death. So if we are already Christians, to, to know the war has already been won gives us a massive confidence for the future. And yet for now, the spiritual battle is still raging. And so we're called to put on the, the spiritual armor of God and to fight. And the battle we are fighting is against the, the devil's attempts to make us deny Christ, to make us give in to our human sinful desires, and to live according to the flesh. Although the ultimate war has been won, we need to keep fighting if we are to be on the winning side when the final victory is declared. And the way we do that is by seeking with the help of the Holy Spirit to purify our lives, to remove any sinful contaminants, to put sin to death. We're in the middle of a short series on the work of the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week we looked at how the Holy Spirit transforms our lives by giving us life and freedom, taking away our hostility toward God, coming to live in us and making us able to belong to to Jesus. Wonderful privileges that cause us to be filled with gratitude toward God. 
This morning we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit purifies us. And then over the next two weeks, uh, Colin's going to be preaching on the work of the Spirit to empower us and to assure us. So this morning we're picking up the passage in Romans 8 where we left off last week. And in particular focusing on one particular verse, which is uh, verse 13. For if you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And if this morning's sermon leaves you wanting more, can I recommend you this little book by uh, the Puritan John Owen called The Mortification or the, the Putting to Death of Sin, which is really basically an exposition of that one verse from Romans 8, verse 13. But what we're going to be looking at this morning is a purification is a matter of life and death, that we're called to put to death our sinful desires, and the Holy Spirit gives us all we need to fight that battle. So firstly, the Holy Spirit purifies us. Purification is a matter of life and death. Given all the things we looked at last week, that the Spirit lives in us, we belong to Christ. He will raise our mortal bodies to life one day. We have an obligation, which is to live a life worthy of that calling, worthy of all the wonderful blessings that we have received. If we've been transformed by the Spirit, we cannot go back to living the way we used to live, which was according to the flesh, according to our own desires, our own preferences. Because verse 12 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. Our obligation now is to live according to the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, we're given the same instruction and in a passage that comes after that, that warning to, to not be yoked together with an unbeliever, where it says this. It says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Holiness is the aspect of the Christian life that we've chosen to, to focus on this year in our verse for the year. Because it's crucial to everything we do. If we're not seeking to, to purify ourselves and grow in holiness out of reverence for God, then everything else we do becomes worthless. Well, verse 13 of Romans 8 shows just how serious this is. If, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What Paul was talking about here is not physical death. After all, we will all one day die. But spiritual life and death. What will happen to us after our, our bodies die? Will we go to be with the Lord and live in the, the new heavens and earth with our new resurrection bodies? Or will we face eternal punishment? We cannot afford to, to treat sin like a benign growth and live with it. All sin is cancerous. And as John Owen says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. The enemy is real, the stakes are high, and so we need to be on a constant war footing. What the devil loves more than anything is when Christians fail to take sin seriously. As John Owen writes, sin will not only be striving, acting, rebelling, troubling, disquieting, but if let alone, if not continually mortified, it will bring forth great 
cursed, scandalous, soul-destroying sins. In short, you'll be seeking our destruction. To read in the letter of James in the New Testament, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Purification is a matter of life and death. But you might be thinking, well, hang on a minute. Um, surely what happens after I die depends on if I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Um, as it says back in verse 1 of chapter 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or the beginning of chapter 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So are you saying, therefore, it's possible for me to, to lose that salvation? Well, I don't think someone can lose their salvation. That's what the Bible teaches. And if you look at verse 30 of chapter 8, just look over the page there. It says, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And those things all hold together. You can't separate them out. If God has chosen you, he will call you. He will justify you. And if you've been justified, you will be glorified. You'll be raised to glory as Jesus was. So this is not about losing our salvation. It's not about earning our justification. It's about demonstrating the way we live our lives, that we have been saved, that we do belong to Jesus Christ. And the start warning here is that even if you consider yourself to be a Christian, if you're still living according to the flesh living to please yourself and not God, then it may be that you've not actually been saved. Back in chapter 6, verse 2, Paul asks the question, we are those who've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? To have died to sin is to say we've turned away from our old way of life. We've been born again through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, as we looked at last week and as we heard from Ollie's testimony earlier on on the screen if we have a new life in Christ we can no longer tolerate sin we won't be able to get rid of it completely in these mortal bodies but with the Spirit's help we can seek to purify ourselves from it so we need to be regularly examining our lives we asking ourselves am I living according to the flesh or am I living according to the Spirit the elders each have a, an, an annual review in which we seek feedback from, from each other and other members of the, of the church. Uh, it's about our role as elders, um, but more importantly, about how we are growing in our faith. We do a self-assessment in which we ask ourselves questions like, to what extent do you feel you've grown in the fruit of the Spirit? What sins and temptations or unhelpful attitudes do you struggle with? How are you trying to deal with them? We all need to be asking ourselves these questions. Because purification is a matter of life and death. Uh, Not just in the sense of whether I'm truly saved, but also in the sense of how I live my life now. Unless we're putting sin to death, we will not experience the fullness of life that Jesus came to give us. And it's only when we live according to the Spirit that we are able to, to fully enjoy life, knowing that we're walking in step with the Spirit. As Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, and have it to the full. Purification is a matter 
of life and death. So what exactly then are we called to do? We're called to put to death our sinful desires. Verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What exactly are those misdeeds of, of the body? Well, back in chapter 6, verse 12, it says there, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. The misdeeds of the body are things we think or do when we give in to our natural sinful desires. And the problem is we so often focus on external behavior and make judgments about people according to what we see. And on one level, that's right. It's part of our witness that we, we live out our faith. Our behavior as Christians should be different. But sin, of course, is deeper than, than the deeds that we do. And we can hide our sinful thoughts and attitudes by putting on a, a respectable front. We can't win the battle against sin by just trying to control the deeds. We have to get to the root of our behavior. And Jesus made that clear in his teaching when he said to his disciples in Matthew 15, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. These defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. If the heart is focused on gratifying its own desires, instead of submitting to the will of God, then however much we try and hold that in, inevitably it will lead to behavior that is displeasing to God. Even as Christians, we are not yet rid of sin in our hearts. We have been saved from the penalty of sin through the death of Christ. We will be saved one day from the presence of sin completely when, when Jesus comes again. But for now, we are still being saved from the power of sin over our lives. It's a constant battle. Hence the command in Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The battle against sin is hard because it entangles us. We often cannot see it. The devil's tactics are subtle. And one of his key strategies is to convince us that we actually don't really need to worry about sin. His tactic is to make us complacent, to make us think that what we're doing is it's okay with God. We've got nothing to, to worry about. But remember what the devil said to Eve in the, Eve in the Garden of Eden? He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? It's the same doubt he puts in our minds today, isn't it? Did God really say that? Did he really say you, you should come to church? Did he really say you should read your Bible? Did God really say you have to pray? Is there really anything wrong with a little bit of gossip or envy or anger or impatience? Everybody does it. That's just how you are, isn't it? How God's made you. Don't worry about it. Just just be yourself. Have you heard the devil whispering, surely God would want you to be happy? As if our idea of personal happiness is better than God's good and perfect plan for our lives. It's a tragedy when... A Christian celebrity or a church leader who we hold up on a pedestal turns out not to be the person 
we thought they were. And details of their private lives come out that shock us. And we wonder, how could they be comfortable with preaching one thing and living a different life? Well, the devil has convinced them that it's okay. He's blinded them to that. And no one is immune from the attacks of the devil. That's why Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Because both of those have the potential to destroy. And once we become at peace with sin in our lives, then we're on a very dangerous path. Which is why we have an obligation to challenge each other and be accountable to each other to receive those rebukes when they come. The thing is, if the devil is so subtle, how do we know when we have compromised our faith if we are blind to sin? I'll look back at verse 5 of chapter 8. It says there, those who live in accordance to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. To put to death our sinful desires and live according to the Spirit, we have to set our minds on what the Spirit desires. Which just brings us on to a final point. That the Holy Spirit gives us all we need to fight the battle. The great news in all of this is that we are, we're not putting to death the misdeeds of the body, as it says, our sinful desires, in our own strength. We're doing it by the Spirit, it says in verse 13. But how does he do that? How does the Spirit do that? Well, for this, let's turn to a um, familiar passage in Ephesians uh, chapter to 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10 passage which describes that the spiritual battle we're engaged in, which, re- which reassures us that we do it in the Lord's strength. We read from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests is what it finishes with there. Without going into full exposition of these verses, what are some of the key things that the passage teaches in connection with the need to fight against the devil and put to death our sinful desires? Well, first it's being reminded of the salvation that we already have in Jesus Christ and standing firm in that. Hence the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus' righteousness that has been credited to us. The gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the the helmet of salvation. Remind yourself of all you have in Jesus. 
but in some ways those things are really to do with defense, standing your ground, relying on the salvation that is already yours. But then it finishes with a weapon of attack, the sword of the spirit. And if we're to put to death our sinful desires, we need to go on the attack. We can't just sit back. And that sword of the spirit there is described as the word of God. So how do we use the word of God to put to death our sinful desires? Well, firstly, the more we immerse ourselves in the the spirit-inspired word of God and ask the spirit to make it clear to us, the more we will be able to discern what is pleasing to God and what is displeasing. The more we will be able to recognize what is false teaching. The more we will be able to identify the, the sinful actions of our hearts as we seek to justify our sinful behavior. We will know the difference between right and wrong. Because as we're told in Hebrews 4, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But secondly, it's in God's word that we find his promises. And as we grow in knowledge of it, we are able to use these promises to fight the devil when he tries to undermine our faith, when he tries to persuade us to do things that are contrary to God's will. After all, that's what Jesus did when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Do you remember after 40 days and nights of fasting, he was pretty hungry. The devil tempted him by saying, look, you're the son of God. Tell these stains to become bread. What did Jesus do? He answered using God's word. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when the other two temptations are recorded, he did exactly the same. He used the word of God, the promises in God's word, to fight the devil's temptation. So as we come to an end, what are some of the ways maybe in which the devil has tempted you during the pandemic? Maybe he's tried to fill you with despair. Or remind yourself with the, uh, the promise from God's word that God is in control. Speak that promise into your heart. So it says in Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm, and secure. Maybe he's filled you with fear, fear about your own health and well-being, or that of your, your family. I would look to God's promise in Isaiah 41. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Maybe he's uh, tried to to make you angry at those who have responded to to COVID in different ways from yourself. Either you think they've been overcautious, or maybe you think they just haven't been cautious enough, they've been reckless. Read Ephesians 4 and fight the devil's temptation to make you angry with these words. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Maybe he's just filled you with worry about how you will cope with life going forwards. 
read Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And it finishes with a command to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We need to pray that God would apply these promises to our hearts and that through them we can put to death, put to death our sinful thoughts and desires. God is a powerful God. He's already freed us from slavery to sin. He's already transformed our lives. And he promises to complete the work of purification that he has begun in us. Let's pray now. Father God, we do thank you that by your spirit you have transformed us. Your spirit is living in us. You have freed us from guilt and the penalty of sin through the death of Christ on our behalf. But Father, we know until that day Jesus comes again, we are still in a spiritual battle against those sinful desires that um, uh, ravage us. The devil is still trying to undermine our faith. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can still call on you to fight in that battle for us. We thank you for the strength the, the Spirit gives. We thank you for the armor of God. We thank you for the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us to see what those sinful desires are that are still reigning in us. We pray that in your strength, using your word, the promises in your word, you would enable us to, to put them to death. Lord, let us look ahead to that, that final victory when Jesus comes again. And he rewards us as his good and faithful servants. Lord, help us to keep focused on him. Give us perseverance, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to um, remain seated as we sing um, the song now, Purify My Heart. Let's uh, sing this um, from our hearts and let it be a a prayer to each one of us. Um, After that, we'll have a time of of quiet just to give you a chance to, to pray into what we've heard this morning and ask God to reveal your heart to you. Pray for strength to deal with issues that you may have. And then after that, we'll have a final song at the end. So let's remain seated as we sing together. As we uh, as we think about uh, living holy lives, about living pure lives. Um, there's two books to maybe consider to, to think about, to read, uh, to go into a bit more depth. One, which Neil mentioned, The Mortification, mortification of Sin by John Owen. And then another one, uh, a slightly uh, newer version, 
Uh, it's called The Enemy Within, uh, Straight Talk About the Power and Defeat of Sin by Chris Lungard. Uh, I'm reading it myself in the evening and just feeling it uh, really helpful. And how do you apply some of the things that we've mentioned this morning? Um, so I hope that's uh, helpful to you. Uh, perhaps, though, the, the Holy Spirit has laid something on your heart this morning that you know you need to act on. A part of your life where the Spirit is convicting you of sin and you know you need to respond to live a life that's pleasing to who you are in Christ. Don't put it off. Don't leave it for another day. Today is the day to respond to God's word. Therefore, if you have something which is on your heart, something which is burdening you today, something pressing on you, then please maybe ask the person beside you to just pray for you. Uh, Or after the service, uh, myself, Neil or Sarb or any of the elders would love to pray for you and talk to you afterwards. It would be a privilege to pray for you and with you. If you're following online, please do get in contact with one of the pastors. Um, We'd love to be able to discuss some of these things which have been raised. Um, We don't want to carry around burdens day to day, week to week. We want to confess them and experience the freedom and the forgiveness that Jesus Christ holds out to us in the gospel. That we wouldn't be burdened people, but we would live in joy and freedom. We're going to sing now in celebration of what Christ has done for us, that he has brought us freedom and forgiveness. We're going to sing, and can it be, as we celebrate that the battle has been won, and we can now boldly approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Uh, we're meeting at 6 p.m. Uh, tonight uh, to pray for the persecuted church, especially for Afghanistan. Uh, so please do connect with us uh, for that. Until then, uh, let us close with the words uh, from Jude, which say this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.